Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Slasher Pass. I am the zealot, Vivian. So here's some background for today's episode, as it's obviously different from our regular programming. Zach has been on vacation for a good chunk of the month of July, Topher is gearing up for rehearsals for an upcoming project, and I'm about to attend a conference for work that's already eating up a lot of my time. To put it simply, all three of us have been very busy. That being said, we still wanted to keep the content train for this show rolling. I volunteered to do something quick and dirty for the month of July in lieu of our usual fully fleshed out episodes. And also, you couldn't pay me to stop talking about horror movies, so this is just a Thursday night for me. What's going to happen is I'm going to do some rapid-fire reviews of horror movies that I've watched recently. There won't be any spoilers for this movie going forward, as I don't really want to do a full analysis on any of these films, but there are going to be some content warnings further on. And just a quick heads up, I'll be doing some shout-outs at the end of the episode to all the people who have been consistently supporting us as hosts and the show itself. We're coming up on our first full year of recording this podcast, and I want to catch up on some much-needed love to all the wonderful people who have been listening and just generally being amazing. So without further ado, let's get started with the first movie review. The first one I want to talk about is The Boogeyman. It actually came out earlier this year, just last month, in fact. This is a movie that Paul and I got to see in theaters back in June. We went to a special premiere made available through the wonderful people at the Overlook Film Festival who organized a free release at local theaters. This past year was my first time attending Overlook. I'd been wanting to go for years, but always got held up with other obligations, so I was overjoyed to be able to both attend and volunteer this year. Overlook is a fantastic experience, and I cannot recommend it enough. I mention all of this because Rob Savage, who directed The Boogeyman, is a frequent participant for Overlook and also filmed this movie in Our Neck of the Woods. Shout out to the Morris Bart billboard cameo in the latter half of the movie. Based on a Stephen King short story of the same name, The Boogeyman is a horror film about grief, focusing on a family recovering from the loss of their mother. Their now-widowed father is a therapist who works out of his home and struggling to confront the difficulties of both his sorrow and the ordeals of raising his two daughters. His children, Sadie and Sawyer, take care of each other but are ultimately lost without their mother. As the family begin experiencing more and more bizarre happenings, Sadie, the older of the two sisters, realizes that their problem is more severe than any of them could imagine and takes it upon herself to kill the mysterious monster trying to tear the family apart. I had a lot of fun watching this movie, especially in the theater. The acting and the writing are both smooth and well-paced. I want to say that this is by no means the best horror film I've ever seen, and thus far I wouldn't even say it necessarily makes my favorite horror film this year, but I absolutely think it's worth a watch, especially if you're interested in making horror movies yourself. This movie does so many interesting things with its scares and how it ramps up tension. Even though it's fraught with jump scares, I never really felt annoyed with any of them because I was so overjoyed with how creatively all the scenes were set up. This movie is packed with interesting lighting and unique scenarios that were exciting and memorable. If you're looking for something really different or cutting edge to watch, The Boogeyman might not be for you, but if you are a horror fan and want something fun and heart-pounding to watch, go for The Boogeyman. The next movie I want to talk about is The Visitor from 1979. God, this movie had it all. This is one that Zach actually got to watch too, as sometimes we'll just hang out in a Discord chat and I'll pick something at random on Shutter to Stream. The poster for this movie was baller, and that's literally all it took for me to pull the trigger. 
So Katie is a young girl with supernatural powers supposedly bestowed upon her by an iteration of Satan and an elitist group of wealthy Satanists. An otherworldly figure arrives on Earth to confront Katie and her family, hoping to stop the shadowy occult plans that could lead to the world's destruction. The visitor drips of surrealism, science fiction, horror, occultism, and most importantly, the 70s. I don't fully know how to describe it just yet, but there's a special type of horror movie from the 1970s that you can just taste on your tongue because they're very campy in a very specific kind of way. If you can imagine it, this movie was like a cross between The Omen, The Exorcist, The Birds, Rosemary's Baby, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and weirdly enough, I loved it. It was extremely enjoyable, if only for how eclectic it was. If you enjoy weird horror from the 1970s and don't mind the occasional cheesiness, you'll definitely enjoy The Visitor. Also, Lance Henriksen is in it, so take a drink. Now, the next movie I want to talk about is Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem from 2012. So back when I was part of another horror project by the name of The Ungrateful Dread, my good friend and co-host Ben Livingston recommended this movie to both Ben Clancy and myself. Now, Ben Livingston is a fantastic musician, and you should definitely go follow him on Instagram and look up his works on Spotify. He creates kick-ass tunes by sampling horror movies. But when it comes to our opinions on horror movies, Ben always kind of surprises me for better or for worse. So I wasn't sure what to assume when he recommended Lords of Salem. So the story of Lords of Salem follows Heidi, a radio DJ host who receives a strange vinyl record in the mail that, when played, causes herself and other women in town to experience strange visions in a trance-like state. In the days following, Heidi's experiences and visions become increasingly more bizarre as she fears she is being haunted by malevolent forces. Now, I get where Rob Zombie is kind of a divisive filmmaker, and I understand where his movies aren't necessarily everyone's cup of tea. I personally adore House of a Thousand Corpses, but I'm pretty meh on The Devil's Rejects in comparison. I wasn't really sure what to expect going into Lords of Salem, but I ended up loving it. This movie is the most subdued and measured I've ever seen for Rob Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie plays the protagonist, and she also really impressed me given that I hadn't seen her act really outside of the Firefly family movies. The ramp up to the climactic ending is restrained and careful. Once I got to the last five minutes, I was like, fully ready and excited for the crescendo of loud and colorful sequences I've kind of come to expect from Rob Zombie. That being said, I know this one didn't do well at all with critics, so I suppose take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm not totally sure what other people dislike so much about this movie, but I personally had a fantastic time with it. Next up, I want to talk about Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker from 1981. This is a movie we had talked about discussing for our Pride Month episode. I'm kind of glad we didn't because I was extremely elated to finally get deep in the paint with our Jennifer's Body analysis, but I do think this film has a lot going on that's worth mentioning. Ever since his parents passed away in a tragic car accident when he was little, Billy has been raised by his Aunt Cheryl, and the two have become close. However, as Billy approaches the conclusion of his high school education and starts dating his sweetheart, Julia, he notices his Aunt Cheryl's behavior becoming more erratic and dangerous. Billy has to find a way to escape his suddenly hostile home, 
realizing his Aunt Cheryl is hiding seriously dark secrets. Now, despite the vague summary and the relatively low stakes, especially for horror movies, this is one of the campiest and off-the-wall horror movies I have ever seen. The frantic and intense acting is reminiscent of films like Possession, and most notably, too, are the rampant and sometimes really unsettling ways the movie confronts homosexuality. The protagonist is repeatedly named by supporting characters as gay and closeted, but even louder is this frightening heterosexual conduct throughout. This movie has apparently amassed a cult following owed to its gay themes, and maybe one day we'll fully tackle all the different ways it addresses those themes. For now, though, if you're into bizarre 80s horror akin to movies like Sleepaway Camp, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker is probably for you. Now, this last review is going to be different. I want to talk about the movie Midori from 1992. This is the only movie in this episode I don't actually recommend, and also the only one I didn't like in most capacities. A quick warning to whom it may concern that this movie and the narrative it's based on contain explicit depictions of rape, abuse, animal abuse, and other unsavory content. In case you are unaware, Midori is an anime adaptation of Suhiro Maruo's comics and graphic novel Shoujo Tsubaki. Maruo's work on Shoujo Tsubaki is his own interpretation of a token character prevalent in Japanese kamishibai, also known as the Camellia Girl. The story follows Midori, a 12-year-old girl whose father left suddenly years ago and whose mother recently died under horrific circumstances. Midori is lured into a sideshow review where she is abused and harassed until she meets a mysterious magician who promises to save her. Because of the nature of this story's subject matter, the filmmaker behind Midori, Hiroshi Harada, found it next to impossible to receive money for any sponsors for this project, and it shows in the way this movie presents its visuals. A lot of this film features still paintings for extended periods of time and low-frame cell sequences. Ever since I watched this movie, a larger discussion has been rattling around in my head about the threshold where horror stops becoming terrifying and transitions into exploitations and shock. For a lot of people, even the most extreme of horror movies can be a form of catharsis. So I'm not exactly here to yuck anyone's yum necessarily. I'm always a big endorser of the idea that genres are as subjective as the viewer. For me, though... This movie washed over me like the ending of Bird After Reading. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. It's a movie I've always been curious about because the history is so colorful, but I can't say the execution or the payoff, question mark, was really worth it for me. It's quite famous for its scandalous and exploitative nature, so if you're trying to scratch one off of your quote-unquote, most disturbing and violent movies of all time kind of bingo card, you can find it on the internet archive. But if you want a truly impactful cinematic experience that compassionately handles a more honest look at the lives of disabled sideshow workers, you should watch Todd Browning's Freaks from 1932 instead. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this, and uh, we hope you'll stay patient with us as we have this brief pause in our usual content. We're going to wrap this up now with some long-belated shout-outs. 
Thank you to our producer, Peepal. He's been very supportive of this project and does great work for our website. Thank you to my family, who have been very loyal listeners. Thank you to my buddy, Eric, for also listening very diligently. Thank you to Vaughn, to Dewey, to Frankie. Thank you to Ben Livingston and Ben Clancy and Trent Manning. And of course, thank you very much to all our other listeners. We have a lot of fun recording this show, and it makes us so happy and grateful to have you enjoy it too. If you want your own shout out, follow us on Instagram, DM me. I can't make any promises now, but I will try to get to you at the next available moment. So until next time, stay spoopy.